Hello and welcome to another episode of Dawncast. I'm Dai Lee. And I'm Kathy Ngo. As you know, here at Dawncast, we bring you inspirational stories and insights from around the country and the world. So today we've got uh, Mary Lou joining us. Mary Lou is a social entrepreneur uh, who've been in this space for the last decade, but she has uh, stepped into a very interesting arena or area <laughs> called Hi, lingerie. Everyone. Hello, Mary Lou. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, thanks, Dave. Hi, Kathy. How are you both? We're good. Good. It's feeling a bit, I'm feeling a bit hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with that music. Yeah. <laughs> because just before we started, Mary was complimenting my top and, yeah, it's animal print. And yeah. You know what they say about Women yeah. with animal print. <laughs> we won't go. We won't go there. Yeah. It kind of uh, not here, Kathy. Not here. Maybe after the show. Yeah, <laughs> after, yeah the show. after the show. <laughs> so, so Mary Lou is the founder of Soy and Spice, a, a lingerie line that is pretty new in the market. It's not there. Is it out there in the market yet, uh, Mary Lou? Um, not right now. We are in the process of establishing the business. Um, so we do have a landing page up and running. We've got it as social media um, handle. Um, but besides that, you know, we're still in the process of sort of establishing um, our presence at the moment. Yeah. What, what made you want to start this range? What's so special about it? Um, so initially when I wanted, initially when I started, I just wanted to share my passion and my love for lingerie to my friends. Um, because when I wear it, you know, I feel so beautiful and I feel so confident. And when I talk to my girlfriends about it, um, hardly any of them wear it. And, um, you know, I just became very curious. And so I started doing more research um, and realized that it's, there's actually a lot of Asian girls out there that um, either love or don't love lingerie. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the line itself um, has a, a more deeper meaning to it um, than just the lingerie line. And I think, you know, for, for us to really fully understand um, how it got to where I am now, we kind of got to go back to the very beginning of my story. Yes, go back, um, go back. Yeah, let's go, back. go way back, yeah. <laughs> um, so like Dai said, um, I've spent um, 10 years uh, in the startup scene. So I started my journey when I was 19, um, second year of uni, I think. Um, I grew up in Adelaide, so I started a charity with my best mate um, back in Adelaide, helping, uh, helping underprivileged children in China and Sri Lanka. Uh, so I ran that charity for about five years, and when I came to Sydney in 2012, we were still running the charity, um, but it got a little bit hard because we were in different states, so we ended up shutting it down. Um, but when I came here to finish my final year, my bachelor's degree, I started another business uh, helping international students find work experience. Um, ran that for about two years full time after I graduated. Um, but when I told my mom that I was going to drop my uh, uh, my psych career because I studied psychology. Oh, really? I'm going yeah. to ask you to look at my son's essay because he's doing <laughs> so. Thank you for letting me know that. Yes. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll chat after. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. She freaked out. She was like, "Are you crazy? Like, do you even know what you're doing?" Because um, I spent four years, you know, studying to become a psychologist and moving to a new city to pursue my career in psychology. And uh, so our relationship was quite rocky um, during those few years when I was running my own business. And um, after about two years running it full time, I um, started working at UNSW Founders Program, which uh, is the startup hub on campus. So I was there for about four years. And my main role at UNSW was to mentor the students that came to us. 
So and I was helping them with the launch and start and the 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 growth of their businesses essentially. Um, but very soon I realized that the number of male students that came to us was far greater than the number of female students. Um, so I, you know, I thought, you know, this has to be changed. So I started a program called New Wave Founders, which was aimed at tackling that specific problem. So the program um, is a two week long incubator program where we invited different speakers and mentors to come in. And um, within one year of running the program, we managed to increase the number of female participation at UNSW um, by 13% into entrepreneurship. Wow. Um, during my time at UNSW, not only did I realize that the number of female students was less than male students, the number of Asian female students was even lesser. Uh, in, so in the I entrepreneur space, you mean? In the entrepreneurship space, yeah. So I started doing more research online, started talking to more people, and you know, I came across a few articles, um, and I, I, I just realized that um, although the, the, the glass ceiling is slowly breaking now, um, you know, with all the diversity, inclusion stuff that's happening, um, not just within the startup space, but you know, in corporates, there's a lot of these kind of programs that's been setting up. Um, the bamboo ceiling is still ever so present. Um, and, you know, there, there was an article by a Sydney Morning Herald last, said that last year only 3% of leadership positions were held by Asians. Um, so when I started this lingerie line, the, the, the original reason was because I just wanted to share my love and passion for, 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 for lingerie to the people around me. But then um, one day just clicked in my head that, the, the reason why my friends um, felt like it was wrong for them to wear lingerie or they felt like it was outside of their comfort zone to wear lingerie, um, the same cultural conditioning can be applied into other aspects of these women's lives. Um, you know, say for instance, you know, uh, putting their hand up or talking up to their bosses, for example, because being raised in, a, in an uh, Asian household, you're kind of taught to not speak up to your to your parents, not speak up to people in authority, which they, which can then translate to that person having less confidence when they are speaking up to their managers, for example. Um, so I thought, you know, why not marry marry the two messages and create a line that could symbolise that. Mm. So yeah. that's that's why I started. There's a lot there. So I was going to go back to when you went to Adelaide, but I'll I'll go back there later. But I I'm yeah. just talking about your journey now in terms of getting that the two messages uh, together um so so you have then focused mainly on um now i've lost my s train of thought because there was a, a, a you know <laughs> you, you covered a lot yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was a lot um but i just want to touch on something that you mentioned that your friends don't wear lingerie yes, that's it. but so what's the difference between underwear and lingerie, lingerie because yeah. I, I always thought the two words were the same, just lingerie sounds mm. a bit more sexy or French or whatever. Cause, yeah, because you said that they don't wear lingerie, but so I'm what thinking... Are, what do they wear? You mean um, so when I say <laughs> lingerie, um, I mean the, the more kind of the more intimate, um, you know, the, 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 the more... Um, um, Beautifully designed, say. lace. Yeah, yeah. You that know. that kind of that that kind of stuff. Um, not not for their partners, obviously. Like I, you know, I wear you know really pretty like um, you know bralettes like that's kind of don't have any padding. So like, can I say the word nipple? I don't know. Like so, yeah, my yeah, so my nipples, nipples kind of tits, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's a kind show. Of, you know, not not covered kind of thing. Like I wear that underneath like a really nice blouse, for example, um, on like a really summery day. Um, it makes me feel good. Like so, uh, I think that there there is kind of a, a fine line. Um, between your 
every day wear so kind of your just your 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 stuff that you wear underneath your work clothes for example versus um those that are a little bit more a kind kind of intimate and sensual yeah. yeah it kind of yeah pretty sensual delicate is that it? Yeah. That, that's more lingerie, isn't it? It's, it's that kind of the delicacy, the refineness of the design, uh, the material use. And a lot of the times, lingerie, lingeries are. Silk uh, or something? What is it made uh, of? Well, lace, lace silk, mm. yeah. print, mm. <laughs> yeah, animal print. <laughs> yeah, animal print, that's right. <laughs> so, um, but, but uh, obviously, uh, as you were referring to when you. Like you know, what Kathy picked up when you mentioned that your friends don't wear lingerie, you meant that they don't wear the nicely designed, beautifully crafted, intimate, sensual pieces. But they do wear, as Kathy would say, she has gone to Kmart and buy her bras and, and <laughs> undies from there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not wearing a bra today. Uh, oh. Don't look. Don't Hello. look. <laughs> She's wearing a sports a sports thing. <laughs> I'm wearing yeah. one of those. T- Daggy singlet tops with the inbuilt. It's really daggy. Yeah, so there you go. Um, um, but l- l- let's go back to when you said you grew up in Adelaide. So your parents migrated here to Australia and migrated to, to Adelaide? Yeah, that's right. So um, I. How old was were you when you. My mom. Yeah, how old were you when you arrived? Uh, when I was about eight. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I spent most of my childhood in Adelaide um, and came here, yeah, when I was around 21, came to Sydney when I was around 21. Uh, but yeah, uh, I was raised by a single mum. My mum and my dad got a divorce when I was around six and my mum remarried my stepdad um, who was living in Australia already. So I have a stepbrother as well and um, we came here uh, because they got married essentially. Mm. Well, yeah. I was raised by a single mum, so, uh, you know, I came in here around the same age as you as well. Right. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we've we got similar similar background there. So you spent, you said you worked on a not-for-profit uh, for four years in Adelaide? Five years. For five years. What was that focusing on? Um, so we were helping underprivileged children in China and Sri Lanka, uh, so we were running, you know, donation events, for example, and people will come and uh, the proceeds will either go to an institution like an orphanage directly or go to a child in need. Um, so we were looking at um, underprivileged children in China and Sri Lanka. So um, I would actually sometimes go back and um, uh, purchase the school supplies, for example, and actually go to the orphanage and give them the, the school supplies and sort of um, just see how happy the kids are when something happens to them like this um, because they've been through so much and they're, they're still so young. And for, for something that might not be a big thing, but it's something that could just brighten up their day or even brighten up their month, yeah. Mm. So, so what got you into, into that space? What got you involved in uh, raising funds and working uh, you know, for a not-for-profit to, to help those kids this disadvantage in China and in Sri Lanka? Uh, because I feel like I was privileged enough to come to a place where I had so much more and I just wanted to give back. Uh, and, you know, I've always had a soft spot uh, for people that's in need, uh, maybe because, yeah, I, I didn't grow up in a very, I guess, um, supportive family environment. My dad was actually physically abusive to me and my mum. So I, I grew up, you know, witnessing a lot of very horrible things happen. And um, it kind of just made me realise that everyone has their own 
you know, issues. Everyone has their own problems. If I can do a little to change someone's life, then I should. Um, so that's why I started the charity. And then you went from then, I mean, it's when you said that, I just thought to myself, it's amazing how uh, I think people from, from a, a disadvantaged background like yourself and uh, when you kind of start to rebuild yourself, you always find a way or want to look at ways to give back, isn't it? Um, wanted to make a difference, trying to impact yeah. impact the world. That's right, yeah, yeah. So then just going into that um, full lingerie and I can sense that you're trying to help empower uh, women, particularly mm. with an Asian oriental background, to mm-hmm. feel sexier. So how are you going to do that? Um, so with the design of our products, um, I'm going to be integrating Asian influences in the actual designs itself. Right now, we're just purchasing of existing products um, of Alibaba, for example, to just test out the market, test out the need for it. But eventually, when I start designing my own line, which I've already started doing, um, it's going to take me a while to actually learn the, the, the trade myself because I'm not a designer, but I'm taking it step by step. Um, I'm hoping to incorporate Asian influences in the design so it would um, accentuate the identity with our customers more. Do we qualify yeah. as influencers? <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but, but, you know, you're, you're going from working in a not-for-profit, uh, helping disadvantaged kids and young people. How did you, how did you go from that to lingerie? Like what, what, when was that decision made to to move from that space into lingerie because it's completely two different sectors, if I can put it that way, isn't it? But the essence uh, is to help people, right? But Yeah, I mean, yeah. the essence is the same. Um, I think that that transition happened when I was at UNSW, when I realised that the number of female students that came to us was very, very um, small compared to the number of male students. And within that proportion of female students that came to us, the number of Asian female students was, was even lesser. And, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of the only entrepreneur within my group of friends, my Asian female group of friends. Um, that's my, 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 my kind of close friends, but I've got, you know, uh, my network of entrepreneur friends that I kind of network with as well on the side, but with my personal friends, I'm probably the only one. And um, I just want to be able to show them that it's it's okay. Like you can take the step. You can you can challenge yourself, and you shouldn't be scared. And I want to also give my 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 daughter, my future daughter, and my future daughter's daughter um, that same opportunity, and let them see that it's okay. You know, you can do this. Um, there's nothing to be scared of. Yeah. We we we. I mean, I see myself as a cultrepreneur. Uh, and you know, as you talk about entrepreneur, you are, you describe yourself as a social entrepreneur. Can you tell us, so that maybe the audience, because people not can say, oh God, people are just using that terminology so easily now. But what does what does it mean to be one? Uh, for me, it means you trying to drive an idea and build a business with no money, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and try to build from the, you know, I mean, you're, you're an entrepreneur too, setting up your keynote worthy business. It, it's, what do you think? It's, how do we see entrepreneur or social entrepreneur or for me, a cultrepreneur? Uh, for me, I see it as, yeah, I, I see what you mean by putting a branding on entrepreneurship because you can, the essence of it is, is pretty much the same, but I don't know, it's a little bit of marketing from my, my perspective, but at the core of every entrepreneurship 
you should be helping someone. You should be helping to solve a need, a problem. Um, but then just some businesses just do it better than others. Mm. Mm. Um, what's your view, Mary? Yeah. Uh, my view, um, entrepreneurship um, itself, I think, is someone wanting to change the world for a better place. Um, but to be an entrepreneur, you have to have the drive to push through whatever boundaries that lies ahead of you. Um, because there's going to be so many different challenges you never expect ever to just pop up out of nowhere. And you just have to keep going. Like I feel like you're, the, the, the motivation behind why you're doing it um, overrides everything else. Yeah. So what has that journey been like for you uh, when you made the decision to set up uh, your lingerie line, which is called Soy and Spice? Why yeah. do you call it Soy and Spice? I mean, I, I think I know why, because you might and like soy sauce so nice. <laughs> and spices. <laughs> yes, that. Um, but I'll answer your question first in terms of my journey. Um, it's It's been such an awarding process. Uh, I don't think I would be anywhere near as confident, anywhere near as, you know, um, ha happy if I were to do something else. I just feel like entrepreneurship is in my blood. Uh, and that, that, that process itself has, hasn't been the most easiest thing that I've ever done. Like it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done, if anything. Um, but I think it's definitely worth it. Like if you if you have an idea, just go for it. Like what if you, if you fails, that's okay. Like just pick it up and pick, pick yourself up and try again. Um, you just got to keep going. And so, yeah. And to answer your second question, why Soy and Spice? Um, I thought about this long and hard. Actually, I came up with a whole list of names. And I was just like, you know, thinking about it. I'm like, God damn it. It took me like around, I don't know, like a couple of months at least to actually settle on Soy and Spice. And the reason is because um, um, if, you, if you open up any Asian household's kitchen, Soy and Spice are the, only, are the two things that you, you'll see pretty much in every Asian household's kitchen. So I want my line of laundry to be a staple in every customer's, um, every person that comes across our lines wardrobe and also soy and spice you can play around with it quite well like so with soy i was thinking more of the day-to-day -day wear the, the 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 stuff that kathy was talking about whereas the spice we can talk more about you know the more intimate stuff mm -hmm. so we're launching with the more spicy line and then go into the into the more soy soy line later mm. <laughs> yeah maybe i'm just hungry but i was thinking about food just then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were talking about yeah. kitchen and everything so would you ever yeah. make edible underwear <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. You might be our first customer. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the, um, in terms of the Soy and Spies, you were also researching uh, the, the stories of the women uh, behind for you to, to come up with the, the brand. What have you found in your research in speaking to a lot of women uh, to, you know, around the word lingerie or the, around the concept of wearing lingerie? Mm. So um, I, I can give you an example, actually. Um, this might be a good one. So I'll, I've written a blog, on where, which I released, I think, last week. So I interviewed three uh, Asian women, um, two grew up in Indonesia and one grew up in the States. Um, and they don't see themselves, well, when they were growing up, they were never considered beautiful because they, they were, you know, our slim, straight hair um, girls that, we normally consider as pretty. Uh, so they all been through 
the same process of you know constant um i guess criticism from their family from their schools from their friends um and you know it just got to a point where they were just so upset with how they were how they looked um one of the girls actually said that one a couple of her friends chemically whitened their skin because their their their, their, their skin complex is quite dark as well um to look whiter uh so it is just not a very nice, I guess, um, feeling to be growing up feeling like that, right? Um, and for them to change that, um, I guess, idea of what they think is beautiful um, and for them to be able to wear lingerie um, to showcase that their body is still beautiful um, is something I think we should celebrate. Uh, so the, the, I guess the, the reason why I'm, I'm kind of mentioning this story is because I feel like a lot of the the um, the, the standards that we normally set for how an Asian is supposed to look is slowly changing. Um, and so with that, um, you know, new kind of standards will form and new kind of beauty um, ideas will form from that. Um, and that's, that's what I found the, the most um, mind-blowing when I was talking to these girls. Uh, I realized that, yeah, like we, we, like although that standard is still there, but there, there's a lot of things happening beneath that that we that I'm slowly slowly finding out. And with this line, I'm hoping to bring that uh, awareness to it as well that you can be whoever you want to be. You can wear whatever you want to wear. So, yeah. So, so in speaking with them, um, did you get a sense that they were prepared to wear lingerie and the way that you, uh, you know? Did you give them that this is my my line of lingerie? Would you be wearing them? Was that the kind of questions that you asked them? Um, I didn't ask them directly like that. So the reason why I was speaking to them is to understand about their stories, about about how they were raised, you know, what kind of impact that had on them growing up. Um, and as a result of this kind of video um, entry contest that I, I held, um, each of them got a set of lingerie. Um, so. Uh, two of them have never worn Andre before. So they were open enough to try this out, which is just amazing. Yeah. I think the problem is also the models, the lingerie models are all mm. the same. For example, yeah. Victoria's Secret, a classic example. They think that they embody diversity, but I don't think so. What they embody is that you should be thin and model-like and not eat at all and <laughs> that yeah. kind of stuff. And lack of Asian model as well. Um, really yeah. just one token one. Yep. But, yeah, you're right. Like, I remember growing up, being sexy is seen as slutty. Mm. Like, you don't want to attract the male gaze or attention because – Especially if you're Catholics. Yeah, they, uh, I grew up in a Catholic family. And, <laughs> wow. You know, it's... Both uh, of you. Sinner. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Uh, yeah, like, um, yeah, so I wasn't allowed a boyfriend or relationships until um, I was in my early 20s. And, yeah, very conservative. And, yeah, I think that's the major, I guess, hurdle. Or, yeah. Well, in terms of, as you said, the models. Because what, what we often see... Just going back to what you said, Mary Lou, that what you heard from these young women is that they, while there's a standard sense of what beauty looks like, it's going to be 1.8 metres mm. tall and voluptuous and... Big breasts. Yeah, big breasts and white skin. I mean, you, they, they got chemically whitened. Mm. That is such a... 
I mean, I know that in Asian, in the Vietnamese community, they sometimes do that too. They yeah, they still do that. Uh, look at it's me. I'm yeah. actually considered <laughs> black or dark <laughs> within my own community. So it's really challenging because, I mean, she's fair compared, look, look you know, you're, yeah. you're fair. Look, see, yeah. my sister is fair and I'm between my skin and her. Uh, she's literally like white, like Kathy, and I'm dark. And so, and so I think how do we, for, for young women like those girls that you spoke to in Indonesia and where was that? The other one was in? She grew up in America. But America. Cambodian, yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we grew up watching what we see in our screen is the typical what beauty should look like, mm-hmm. you know? So we go back and we think, well, we don't look like that. Let's get our yeah. nose done. Let's get our breast yeah. and everything so it's gonna take a it's gonna take um, a long time for us to shift. Do you think to shift that image of what beauty looks like? But I think you can yeah. help Mary like champion this, which I uh, I see that you're already doing, like by having different influences, different models showing scars, um, mm. that sort of thing. Yeah, I definitely think it's gonna take a while for things to change. Like everything takes time. Um, but I think if we all do our little bit, even if we just spread this message, uh, we would be able to fast track that. Can you promise that uh, you're going to have models that look normal modeling your lingerie? I mean, sure, you need to do a bit of Photoshopping. But what's mm-hmm. normal? Well, not no, normal like, you know, you and I. I, I don't think I'm normal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Mary Lou, you're normal, you know. Because I'm normal. I don't think I'm normal. <laughs> okay, so we're not, none of us are normal. <laughs> I don't, don't want to be normal. <laughs> okay, none of us are normal. So, how can, so what's the terminology we should use then? Well, just different people, different faces. Yes, diff- um, diverse faces. That's, that's what we were about. Different it's types a- of Asian because there's a South Asian as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, biracial, different body shapes, yep. pear shapes. Different heights. Heights, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm actually compiling a series of videos that these girls have sent me, and I'm going to feature that on my website. Um, that's a very short, kind of condensed version of what I've been talking about, um, with a couple of other girls that's um, also sent through a video. But yeah, um, 100%. I'm all about you know inclusion, all about diversity. Like I really loved um, Dove. You guys know the, the yes. soap Dove. Yeah, they did a very very successful campaign mm-hmm. like years ago. Yep. Um, that shine light on how the media industry is, you know, just portraying what beauty looks like um, in a completely um, unrealistic way. And that sh- campaign just changed the, the whole industry completely. And I want to do that for for our community as well. Yeah. That's, that'll be fantastic. Well, so, so what's your, where, where to now for Soy and Spice? At what stage are you in, in terms of your development? So I just took my second photo shoot on Sunday. Um, so that's going to get released on our Instagram account, um, soy underscore spice underscore lingerie, uh, next week. Um, and we'll we're looking that. at, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, we're looking at taking more photos for the website so we can start actually getting some sales to come through. Yeah. Um, my main focus right now is trying to do more research on the side, but start getting, um, people to, you know, purchase our lingerie. Mm. Um, so what are, before, you know, what, what kind of message would you like to send to our audience, uh, you know, uh, in terms of 
Any advice, any tips, any words of wisdom that you'd like to part? Yeah, why not? Um, I, I think just go for it. If you have any kind of idea, if you want to just do something that's outside of your comfort zone, don't be scared. Just give it a go. Um, there's really nothing stopping you besides yourself. Uh, and even if you fail, like I said before, it's okay. Like there's nothing to be scared of. You can try something completely new again. Uh, so just go for it. Yeah, I do say to people uh, often, if you want to, well, do it, fail, fail fast, fail quickly so that you can get up. That's right. Yeah. Good Great advice. Message. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mary Lou, and we really wish you great success with soy and spice. And we hoping we want to see that diverse and in, you know inclusive brand and faces on your on your product line there. So we're looking forward to seeing that. Uh, but thank you for giving us your time and sharing your story and journey with us. Thank you so much. See you later, Di and Kathy. Bye. Have nice to meet you. Yes. Bye. Okay. Bye. So that's all for us on Dawncast. So I'm Di Lee. And I'm Kathy Ngo. And make sure that you subscribe to our channel, Dawncast, by clicking the link or the bell here so that you can get notified if you want to hear more stories and stories and, and journeys like, uh, like Mary Lou's. So see you next time. See you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this is all going on the video. <laughs>